Okay, I think we're live here. Hey, this is Let's Go Live with Jack Kelly. And today I have kind of a co-host. I have Christine Mukazis kind of in the background. She's our producer for the LinkedIn Live shows and the podcasts and the Blind Podcast. So she's going to be here for moral support because this is going to be a solo, solo event. And today it's going to be really, it's, it's going to be a different kind of LinkedIn Live. And what I wanted to share is that for a lot of people, they're worried about how do I find a job? How do I keep my job? You know, what's happening in the economy? And I thought it'd be helpful to give some color from the vantage point of what I see, you know, speaking to, you know, all sorts of people, whether through recruiting, hiring managers, HR, talent acquisition, job seekers, and through Forbes, speaking with CEOs and executives. So I'm trying to synthesize you know, everything that I'm learning so I can impart, so you can kind of get a better understanding. And one of the biggest things I'm seeing now is that because of these geopolitical events, you know, Ukraine, what's happening in the Middle East, what's happening here at home with recession kind of fears, high inflation, high costs, continued layoffs. Like I was shocked this morning I looked at uh, LinkedIn and they had this feed in the LinkedIn news and there were so many jobs that were cut. It gave a whole list. And I thought these things subsided, but it was like a smack in the face when you started to see I had about 20 plus, maybe even 30 top companies in an array of different sectors all laying off. So we have this high inflation, potential recession, worries about being dragged into wars, the costs go whatever higher. And then it's like, what do we do? How do we get out of this? How do we make sense of it? Now, let's take one part of it. One thing that you may not notice is going on, but it's happening with a lot of companies now, in my experience, particularly with recruiting, I've noticed when things are good, companies are very open to hiring. They're giving raises, promotions, starting new divisions. When things are bad, kind of where we are now, or not say bad, let's say uncertain, and there's not a lot of clarity. When that happens, they pull back. Like Mark Zuckerberg uh, famously said, about it's the year of cost efficiencies, cost effectiveness is, you know, getting rid of managers who manage, who manage managers, who manage managers, managers, because they realize we got to now be really careful about our costs because making money, making profits is not as easy as it used to be. And then because of that, because of the uncertainty, I'm sure people who are job seekers, who are maybe kind of curious about looking for a job, if you noticed, you're not getting interviews, or you'll get interviews and get ghosted. And I attribute that to the companies are scared. And you're never going to have a CEO who's going to come out and say, hey, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what's going to happen next. And this is why I'm afraid. They can't do that. But you could watch their actions. And their actions are they'll post jobs with ridiculous asks that no one can meet. They'll give salary ranges that are like stupidly wide. 
they'll interview you, ghost you, because they're not really keen on hiring. In fact, what they're trying to do is really call the herd. They prefer to make life miserable for workers so that they quit on their own volition. And I know that sounds really cold-blooded. It sounds really harsh. And do I have the exact data to prove it? I don't know. But I do see, and, and, and anecdotally from speaking to you know, dozens of people a day, is that the companies are making life uncomfortable purposely. They're, they're nudging them to quit. Nudging is, it's, it's actually a behavioral science term where you try to kind of guide somebody in a certain direction. So what these companies are trying to do is guide people to say, I can't take this anymore. I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm leaving. I'm quiet quitting. I'm loud quitting. I'm whatever quitting. I'm getting out of here. And one reason they're doing it, in my opinion, is that if you fire somebody or lay off somebody, you have to pay usually a nice fat severance and companies don't want to spend money if they don't have to. Plus, you run the risk of someone saying, hey, you let me go because I'm now fill in the blank, you know, because you're against this group and that group and the other group. And that's why you're letting me go and I'm suing you. And they don't want that. The hiring managers don't want to be sued. The HR doesn't want to be sued. So it's much easier not to fire them. But instead, and this is so cold, instead, they do these things to make, to nudge people to just get out the door and they don't have to pay severances. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to worry about any litigation and lawsuits. And this way, there are fewer workers and they save money. And it's really sad to talk about it. Trust me, I am not happy. This is the kind of, you know, LinkedIn live podcast. It's not, it's not like, wow, exciting news, but I feel I, I owe it to people to share this information because there's so many people out there who are, are scratching their heads saying, I don't get this market. What is happening? Why am I not getting called back for interviews? You know, why am I getting ghosted? And this is kind of why this environment it's really for white collar professionals. And for the most part, LinkedIn, that's what they cater to. I know they, they would say they much more than that, and they do. But for the most part, it's the college educated white collar uh, professionals. And this cohort is in recession. White collar professionals are not doing well at all. In fact, frontline workers and, and blue collar workers, if you look at the most recent uh, US jobs report, there are plenty of jobs out there. Now, some of the quality of the jobs is not great, but there are plenty of jobs. There are 336,000 jobs that were created last month, supposedly. I'm very skeptical of the numbers. How, and out of that 336,000 know, jobs that were supposedly had, only about 20,000 plus were white-collar professionals. Think about that. That's such a small amount. And out of the job, those 336,000 or so, a lot of them are part-time jobs people hopefully multiple jobs, gig kind of roles, jobs that they really don't like, but they need a job. So the economy is not as great as we think it is. The job market, not as great. The white collar, not good at all. A lot of challenges. 
The tech sector alone, I don't know the most recent numbers. The last I looked was like 230, 240,000 people were laid off in you know, 2023. And probably if you include you know, mid, late 2022, uh, you know, probably about 400,000, some crazy numbers like that. Um, so then when they're looking to find a job, it's harder because now there's so much people to compete with. So we have, so we have this kind of situation. Now, let's go back to the nudging part, the nudging, nudging, however you want to say it kind of part. And this is, to, this is for you to watch out for, because these are signs. These are like red flags that, are you, that you're in trouble. No particular order. Let's say, you know, HR says, uh, Jack Kelly, we want to meet you in, uh, you know, the conference room at four o'clock today. Oh, you know, this is not good, right? So <clears throat> you go there and they put you on a, performance improvement plan, a PIP. And PIP is, you know, happens a little bit more with the tech sector. And really what they're saying is like, hey, you got to step up your game or else. But for most people, they realize once you're on a PIP, yeah, things are not going to look good. The odds are they're going to let you go. Then you have a choice. Do I want to try to improve and do everything they say and jump through all the hoops? Or do I, sit, do I peace out and say, I'm out of here because I don't want to have it on my resume that I got let go or I got fired or I got terminated? So if you're called into an office for a PIP, be mentally prepared that this will be the conversation. So you want to have enough data, enough information, enough uh, stuff to show why you're good, why they're wrong, why you should stay, you know, and how... They maybe they were too preemptive in saying that you have to go on this, you know, PIP. Another thing what happens is this: as people leave through attrition, they don't replace them, and then they dump the work on the remainers, the people who are still there. So now the remainers are are, are working extra hours, longer hours, and they feel pressured to do so because they do see that there's a lot of downsizing. So even though they don't want to do the extra work, they figure if I don't do it, then I might be selected to let go. So now you get in this cycle where there's more work, more responsibilities, and there's less help. There's this constant drumbeat now of AI. It, you know, promote, you know, people who are for AI. And to be fair, I I'm really think I'm into AI. I, I, I think it's, it's amazing. It's, it's super helpful, but put that for aside. Goldman Sachs had a study saying that 300 million people are going to lose their jobs to AI. Now that seems hyperbolic. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. Even if you cut it in half, that's a crazy amount of, of people. So you have this also overhang of AI taking your jobs. And it's always the same thing. Everyone who's, you know, you know, involved with an AI project, it's like, oh, it's not going to take jobs. Oh, don't worry. But everyone else is like, uh, I don't know. I'm worried. So you have that overhang of AI that if you're not working hard, if you're not putting in the hours, if you're taking your full vacation, if you're taking your full pay time off, well, maybe I'm going to be the one to be replaced by AI. So what do you do? You just put in hours, you keep grinding, you keep working because you feel like I don't want to be that one to be targeted and to, and, and to lose my job. 
Another thing what happens is that you don't get raises, you don't get promotions. In fact, they'll even kind of change your job description. And then all of a sudden you're doing something they didn't hire you for, something you really don't have the skills for, you don't have the aptitude for, and you don't like doing. So now you're really stuck. So what do you do? And a lot of times people say, you know what? I'm just going to, oh, I'm going to have to look. I'm going to have to kind of look for a find a recruiter, you know, get a career coach to help me out and start looking because this is untenable. Now, for things I'm saying, I, I imagine people who are watching this now and who are watching this in the replay are going to say, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm going through. This is what I've been dealing with, you know, for the last couple of years. And this is why I want to have this conversation with you. So you, you realize it's not just you. This is a structural thing. This is a systemic thing. This is across the board. Because a lot of people, what ends up happening, they think it's just happening to me and everyone else is doing well. Because people are afraid to share what's really going on. No one wants to come out and say, hey, at a social gathering, hey, guess what? I'm Jack Kelly and I just lost my job. And I've been searching for a year without finding a job. How are you? No one wants to do that. So you really don't hear these stories because people don't tell these stories. People only tell stories when, when I got a promotion, I got a raise. Look at this cool thing I did. I'm amazing. That they talk about. But the other stuff, not so much. Just to jump ahead a little bit here, so it doesn't seem all dire, there are definitely ways that you could combat it. So, so if you're going through this, if, if you're feeling that you're getting a shove out the door, if you're feeling that the boss doesn't care about you, if you're getting the cold shoulder, if you go to meetings, they ignore you. If, 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 if you try to contribute to something, they don't care. When it comes time for raises, promotions, bonuses, they're not interested in giving you anything. What you need to do is start getting a game plan together. You have to acknowledge the reality. And the reality is the job market is kind of tough. There's a white collar, they call it rich session, meaning for white collar college educated professionals, it's it's not so easy. It's, it's and being kind is very tough. You have to start looking after yourself. You have to take control because if you don't, you're going to be a you're just going to feel miserable working in the office. You're going to worry every day. Am I going to keep my job? So, in no particular order, what I would suggest to do: number one. Find, and maybe I'm biased for saying this is number one. You want to find recruiters who specialize in your space. And the reason I'm saying specifically specialize in your place, because a lot of the, 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 the disconnect comes in between, and you all, we all see on LinkedIn and Twitter and other, other, and Facebook, where there's always this animosity between job seekers and recruiters. And I think a large part of it is because when a person looks for a recruiter, they just presume that recruiter could help no matter what. But in reality, most recruiters, not all, but most recruiters, most good recruiters specialize in one or two or maybe even three sectors, and they know it really well. But they may not know other things. For example, I've, I've, I've run a search firm for the last 20 plus years specializing in compliance and then legal risk, audit, anti-money laundering, things of that nature. 
and I'm pretty good at it, placed thousands of people, super successful. But if you ask me to go out and find somebody for a tech-related role or cybersecurity kind of role, I really couldn't help you because I don't know enough. I don't have the contacts. You know, I'm not really sure how it all works. And that's where it gets kind of messy because job seekers feel, oh, you're a recruiter, you should help me. And the recruiter can't, doesn't help because they don't, they don't know how and it's, it's frustration. So what I would suggest, don't just look for any old recruiter. Find someone who's in your field. How can you find that? Maybe, you know, look on LinkedIn, do a Google search, um, ask some friends, some coworkers, colleagues who got a really good job, who does the same thing you do. How'd you get it? Where'd you get it? Who's your recruiter? Look at some job boards and see, are they posting jobs that are in your lane? So you could find them and then just reach out. A good way to get a recruiter is through a recommendation. So if somebody, let's say, worked with, you know, recruiter Jane and she was really good, um, you know, go to, you know, go to that person and say, hey, can you, can you put a word in for me? Because having that, you know, networking effect helps out in that regard. So you want to maybe find somebody who dealt with that person to give you the in. It doesn't have to be that way, but that's helpful. You may, depending on how confident you are with your resume, with your interview style, consider finding a career coach um, who could either help punch up your resume, punch up your LinkedIn profile, maybe do some ghostwriting for your posts if you don't feel comfortable posting on LinkedIn and other, and other social media sites. Um, the coaches could kind of role play with you, how to, how to answer these, you know, how to answer the basic questions that are asked, some of the tricky questions. They could help you with your elevator pitch. You also want to network. Now, network has that creepy, cringy kind of feel to it when you say that, right? It's that feeling of like you're in this big conference and you have the tag on, hi, my name is Jack. And you're like, hey, how you doing? My name is Jack. I do this. What do you do? And it's really weird and icky. And yeah, it's, no one really likes that. But that's not really networking. Networking is this. You want to find, if you haven't done so already, you want to cultivate a group of like-minded people. Like-minded people, meaning they're career motivated, they want to succeed, they want to do well, they're not the whiners and complainers and bitching and moaning all the time. You want people who are positive, who are upbeat, who want to succeed. You want to be in that room with those types of people. You want to, you want to find people within your sector and befriend them. And not in a phony way. I mean, get in touch with them. And a lot of times when you're older, when you have friends, it's not when you were younger having friends. It's different. It's transactional friends. I get it. So you want to find people who you could connect with. It'd be hiring managers within the area that you want to get a job. It could be peers who you feel they're really super smart and great. You want to get to know them because, you know, maybe they have some good job leads that they're aware of. You want to kind of tap into college alumni, kids you grew up with, people in your church, temple, mosque, synagogue. Uh, if you're a certain age and your kids are doing all the sports, you want to chat up the parents you know, of the kids just to get a sense because you don't know where that job lead is going to come from. So you want to kind of hit all those different pieces. You also want to consider, depending on what you do, 
and how maybe AI or just how things are changing could you know hurt your career to think maybe I have to change gears. Maybe I have to pivot to a new type of role. Maybe I have to reinvent myself and start all over again. Maybe you want to go back to school and learn something. You can't be idle. This is the kind of economy right now. And the way it looks like it's going to be like this for a while. You can't take anything for granted. You can't just coast along. You can't be an ostrich and put your head in the sand and hope everything will be okay. You have to take control over your work life. And you have to do it every day and be hyper-focused because the cold, hard truth is no one's going to do it for you. If you don't do it for yourself, it's not going to happen. So you have to make sure that you every day, either A, at work, you're doing everything in your power to hold on to your job. Now, I'm going to get a lot of pushback on this. With remote work hybrid, I would say go into the office five days a week if you can. And I know I'm going to get eye rolls and people thinking I'm an ass. But I commuted 20 years plus back and forth to work, which, which I can't, which is ridiculous. It's crazy. I can't believe I did that now because, you know, when I started working remote, was it, it wasn't even an option. It didn't make any sense. And any, and the few people who work remote, like that, you looked at them like, oh, they're weird. Why are they working remote? And now obviously it's, 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 you know, everyone wants to work remote. And the reason I'm saying to go into the office doesn't have to be five, but the reason I'm saying it because there's a proximity bias. If you're in the office, even let's say four days a week or three days a week, the odds are because there are fewer people in the office, you're going to get noticed. It's not the offices aren't jam-packed like they used to be. So with fewer people walking around, you can network, go out for drinks, go out for coffee, go to a ball game go for dinner, whatever the case may be. You might get in touch with executives and senior management because they're there. And this is going to, again, I'm going to get hate from this, but you got a lot of the boomers who for 40 years have been putting on their suit, commuting into the office, being there, and they're used to it. So they're going to be there. So the senior people are going to be there. And this way you get noticed. And if you get noticed, you're going to get better opportunities. You're going to get a chance for those promotions and the raises because they see you. And they're going to, it's, and it's out of sight, out of mind. So if you're home and you're just on a video call once in a while and you're just that little box that shows up and some may, who, like, they're not going to, who knows if they ever see you at all. So when it comes time for promotions, raises, any, you know, what have you keeping you instead of letting you go. If, if, they, if, if they see you every day, it's just the way humans work. Hey, I, I know Jack's okay. He's not the best, but damn it, he's here every day and trying. So I know we have to have a layoff, but you know what? He tries to do everything and he's a go-to guy. Let's keep him. And then the person who they never see, they have no connection to, no emotional connected, connection to, they're going to let that person go. Because there's nothing they don't feel bad about. Whereas if they would let me go and they see me day after day after day after day trying, 
if you're a normal person, that's hard to do. It's hard to let that go, that person. So you want to get into that office. You want to make yourself know. Now, even if you hate your job, even if you know they're nudging you out, don't let them win. Don't let them win. And the way you combat it is by saying, you know, basically, F you, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be that person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you that this is why you need me. You have to have me because I'm that go-to person that could get things done. I can make things happen. And then you, you kind of get yourself, a, that's like a lifeboat. And even if you don't want to stay there, you want to do it. Because if you, if you stay there, it gives you time. And time is valuable because it gives you time to figure out what you want to do next. It's very easy because this is what they're preying on. They're preying on, we're going to make your life miserable. Going back to what we spoke earlier in the conversation, you know, they want to nudge you out the door, right? Because they don't want the lawsuits. They don't want the complaints. They don't want the headache. And they don't want to be the one to, to tell you to your face, they're letting you go. So they hope you want, they could just make you miserable enough to leave. Don't let them win. Don't let them win. Let it roll back, roll over your back. Just let it go. And you might say, oh, Jack, that's so, yeah, come on, that's, you can, it's hard to do. It is, but it's not. Try this. Trust me on this. And I've seen this with so many people over the years, right? I'm not, I'm not a career coach, but as a recruiter, I would advise people, coach them, talk to them. You know, I wouldn't charge just, just part of like our, our trying to help them succeed in their careers. What happens is this. If you have the mindset, right? Think about this. If you have the mindset where I don't care, you know what? You want, they want to fire me. They want to make my life miserable. They want to push me out. Whatever. Hey, take a day at a time. Whatever happens, happens. I don't care. I'm going to let it roll off my back. And I'm going to, I know I'm not going to end up staying here, but I'm going to leave on my own volition. And there's a big difference. I'm not going to leave because they pressure me out. I'm going to leave when I'm good and ready. And I have a great opportunity to go to that moves my career forward. You want to do it on your own terms. And the only way you can do it on your own terms is to make you indispensable. You, you're the person who has to be there. You're the person who has to stay. Even if they try to push you out and push everyone out, they're going to reluctantly keep you. So you buy time. Now, by buying time, what could happen is things could change and they may end up actually saying, you know, hey, 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 Joe, hey, George, hey, Jane, hey, whatever, Susan, you're, you know what, we've been watching you, you've been working hard, you know, you've been motivated. Yeah, we have something planned for you. We have something great to do. Wow, fantastic. And then maybe everything changes. It could be the economy changes. It could be, you know, maybe as we head into 2024, you know, we, we get rid of all the stuff I talked about at the beginning of the conversation, which is really, you know, rotten, but it gets better. And you just, you hunker down long enough to get to the good side of things that could happen. That's why you want to have that time. It's so easy to say, F you, I'm out of here. I can't take anymore. That's the easy route. The hard route is to play, play the long game. And this way, wait it out till you could find that great opportunity. And this goes back to what we talked about, finding the recruiter, getting career coaches to help you, network with people to help you get job leads. And when you, when you get job leads, you, just, you don't want to just also send out resumes, helter-skelter, spray and pray all over the place. 
you want to be very selective. You want to find the company you want to work for or the companies you want to work for. And then it's like seven degrees or six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You want to find someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who is an insider at the company that you want to work for, who could take your resume, share with the right person, and not only share with the right person, but give a full-throated recommendation. You know, Christine is amazing. She's awesome. Here's why she's amazing. She's awesome. You got to interview her for this. And in an environment where, and we've all seen this, when we go to, 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 to you know, look for a job and you'll see 200, 300, 500 people applied, oh, you're like, how am I going to stand out? That's how you stand out. The way you stand out is you get that, some, you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody to put in a good word for you. Now, even better, if you, if you know the exact person, if you can find that exact person, and that's part of networking too, if you can cultivate those relationships to find out who are those key people in those companies that you love to work for and befriend them and get on their radar and get them to know you. So then you're not seven degrees from six, uh, from Kevin Bacon, you're like one degree or two degrees. So you can get right in front of them. Because think of it, if you're, if you're a HR person, if you're a talent acquisition person, you're someone involved in an interview, you're hiring, and you see two, three, four hundred resumes, you're like, like, where do I start? This is just so much. This is crazy, right? But if you have somebody who you trust and they come to you and say, you know what? You know, I think Christine is really good. You should meet her. They're going to be like, okay, because they're looking at five, six hundred resumes. They have no idea who they are. But here I get this re recommendation. Uh, I'm front of the line, cut in front of everybody. So that's kind of so. So think in those terms when you're looking. And I'll leave you with this: is basically your mindset, in my opinion, should be this. And distill down. We're in this environment that could last a long time. I have no idea. Now, God willing, hopefully, it turns around. Everything's great. But you don't want to always think that way. You want to prepare for the worst because that's. <laughs> that's when there's trouble. You know, when everything's good, that's okay. A rising boat, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, but in tough times, not so easy. So what you want to do is you want to have a two-pronged strategy. The first strategy is, as we we're talking about, make yourself indispensable, the go-to person, someone who, even though they're trying to nudge you out the door, they're going to keep you. Simultaneously, to hedge your bets, you're going to find that recruiter, get some career coaching help, get a mentor, a mentor, somebody who's been through everything, you know, seen years and years of what works and what doesn't, and could, you know, help you, guide you. You want to, as we talked about, the networking effect to keep current because you don't know, you know, who could give you that lead. So you'll have those two things going on simultaneously. Then here's the thing too, when you do it, when you do this, there's a feeling of self-empowerment. Oftentimes, when you're in a tough spot, you feel like you have no power, no control. You lose your self-esteem. You lose your self-confidence. But if you take action, if you take the reins, take control of your career, you're going to start feeling good about yourself. Even if you don't see the results right away, you're going to feel proud.
because you're like, hey, I'm not taking this line down. I know what they're doing to me. They're trying to push me out, but I'm not going to let them. I'm going to do everything in my power to stay there as long as I can to find a better job. Or maybe something will change within the organization. All of a sudden, wow, I'm glad I stuck it out. So I know this is a lot to process. And Christine, let me ask, is there, so far, is there anything I missed that I should bring in or, or, or did I depress people enough or did I encourage people enough? What do, what do you think? Well, I think it's interesting that one of the ways that you said to combat um, the quiet firing was to work in the office because I feel that return to office mandates is one of the ways in which companies nudge workers out the door, wouldn't you say so? Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, because I, I think the remote, and this is, so, this, this is what's so crazy about corporate America, right? They'll say, oh, you could work from remote, you could work remote forever. And oh yeah, if you want to relocate, relocate. So, you know, people, you know, people are like think, okay, they said I could work remote. They said I could, you know, go somewhere else. So I do it. So you go, move your family. You leave like New York City. You leave San Francisco, big cities. Go to a lower cost location. You know, better schools. You know, not a lot of crime, sunshine, beaches, whatever you like. Maybe you know, by ski slopes, and you move. Now they're saying, nope, we want you back. What? And then you got to wonder, partly, I think it's economics because now these companies have these huge real estate holdings and they're paying rent on it. And very few people are there. And they're like, this is crazy. We want you to come back. It also, it's a little bit of control. Also, it's a little bit of the older generation, the boomers that are used to putting on their suits, getting in there and bossing people around, barking orders. It makes them feel good about themselves. So there's that push. And so by doing these return to work, you're putting that person who relocated, kids started a new school, they made some friends. And like, if, if anyone who has young kids, you know how that is. Like it's uprooting your life. So you uproot your life to move once. Now you feel like, oh, I start a new life, new friends. This is great. Sorry, kids. We're going to now uproot you and move again. And then maybe one of the partners, your spouse, partner, whatever, maybe they don't have a job. That's where you're going back to. So they're making it as Christine, as you're talking about, they're making it so uncomfortable that you're just going to say, you know what, heck with this. I'm just going to quit and then hopefully I'll find a job, which is which is a kind of pretty nasty way of getting rid of people. Yeah, is, is some, that some companies gave people less than two weeks to even make that decision. It was like in two weeks, you have to be in the office at least three times. That's, that's yeah. so harsh, isn't it? Like how could two weeks, how can you, how can you pack up even if you have the smallest, smallest, smallest little apartment, right? Mm -hmm. That's a lot to do. You know, take care of all the paperwork, shutting off the utilities, finding someplace new, getting the down payment. That's that's so much time. Two weeks is nothing. That's why there was a dating app. They instituted a two-day um, return to office mandate. And that dating app, that company lost 50% of its workers. So that nudge, I guess, worked for you know, I wondered, was there any data like, on, did they find other jobs or they're just, they're just like, like, you know what, I don't want to be bullied and I'm, it's the principle I, of the thing. 
I think that, and that might've been one of the companies where they literally had two weeks to uproot their entire lives. So, so then they just quit. And then I had a, I had another question. Mm-hmm. Once it starts to feel toxic, is it still a nudge or passive aggressive? Wait, wait, for the company itself or? or For the employees, once, once that kind of treatment starts to feel toxic, is it still passive aggressive behavior on the part of CEOs or employers? So, so like for the CEOs and employers, you mean there's like, there's, there's, there's a more to it. They're like they're, they're turning the knife into you. Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. Does it still count as pass- passive aggressive? I don't behavior? know. That's do you, uh, so, so, so are you saying like maybe some of these, uh, uh, you know, bosses are kind of maybe narcissists, maybe kind of a little psychopathics, uh, sociopath that, that take pleasure in making people miserable. Is that kind of sort of it? Well, because I saw when you wrote about this for Forbes, I saw a lot of people comment that it really resonated with them and they commented that it was so toxic. And then I just feel like once it becomes toxic, it's no longer just a nudge or or just passive aggressive. It's just like the culture of that company. You know, that's a great point. I, I imagine it's a little bit of both, right? That the culture, because some companies, you know, try to have a great culture and mm-hmm. try to empower their workers and offer psychological safety and take care of them. Others, as we've seen with these mass layoffs, are cold-blooded. I mean, think about it. There are these, like I, I, we reported on and wrote about you know, some of these people from Google who worked 20 years, and then they just get an email saying, nope, sorry, you're gone. Good luck. That's, right? That's, that's, I, that's so unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe some of these people are just kind of on the spectrum and they just don't have many feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I just think that once it, it starts to feel toxic, then I think that employees definitely have to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, It's like, I, I hear what you're saying. And the only thing I get troubled about is that if it was a good market, then there's opportunities. So, you know, then you can afford to say, you know what, I'm going to get out of here. But for a lot of people, they get stuck because it's not so easy. Particularly, there's a lot of ageism that isn't talked about enough. And so if you're a certain age earning a certain amount of money, it's going to be so hard to find another job. You know, that's why, I mean, ideally, I agree with you 100%, Christine, mm-hmm. like I, 100% where it gets toxic, say, you know what, I'm not going to put up with this. It's not good for my mental health and emotion being I'm out of here. But for some people, let's say you're 55 and older, and you're making a certain amount of money, and you're interviewing, 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 and get, get going nowhere. <sighs> it's... Yeah. You know, it's tough. I mean, maybe you endure as much as you can. I guess each person has to judge the risk, to, you know, the tolerance. You know, some don't have any tolerance for it. And like, I, I don't care if I'll just be on employment because, you know, what you're doing to me, I, I just can't accept it. Others might say, I, you, you know what I mean? I have a big mortgage. I have college debt. Um, I'm kind of stuck. And if, I'm only getting unemployment. I'm not going to have enough money to, you know, keep paying my kids college tuition. So this is why this time is really tough. And this is why 
one of the reasons why I, I one of the many reasons why I wanted, I, I like doing these LinkedIn live shows because we could talk about these issues that oftentimes you don't hear about and you don't talk about it openly and freely because people are a little afraid to share what's going on with them because then they may be embarrassed that they haven't worked in a while. Maybe they're embarrassed to talk, to say that, hey, I've been long-term unemployed for a year. So to me, I, I, you, I want to bring these things up and I don't have all the answers, but I figure by bringing up the ideas, the concepts, the thought process, it gets people thinking. And then also I figure, Christine, it helps people realize, oh, it's not just me. You know, mm -hmm. I thought it was just me going through, but now I realize, wow, I feel so much better that now I know like, like so like hundreds of thousands of millions of other people are going through the same exact thing. You know, that doesn't mean I have a better time at work or have a better job, but at least mentally, I'm like, oh, it's a relief. I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes people feel less alone. Yeah. Anything else we should add, Chris, that maybe we didn't bring up? I think you touched upon everything. So to wrap it up, what I would suggest, if you have any questions, if you're kind of listening to this and it resonates with you and you're like, wow, this is what I'm going through. And you just want to talk, you want a sounding board for what's going on you know, hit us up in the comments. Um, you can see me on LinkedIn, uh, on, on Twitter, X, whatever it's called. And, uh, and just let me know and I'll try to help, you know, give you some advice. I can't to promise miracles, but um, I could help out, point you in the right direction um, because this is going to be a challenge for a lot of people. So I, I think, I hope a lot of other folks will step up and do what I'm doing. To, to give advice. And I see this, I see this on a lot of social media platforms where people are really being very generous. There's a lot of folks, particularly in X that I've recently met because I haven't been on, I really have never been active on Twitter, but just fairly recently started, you know, on now X. And I, I'm really impressed that there are a lot of people on there who are just giving a lot of their time to helping people out and giving advice and guidance for free and just just being a good person. So that that's really to me that that's, that's so nice to see. And similarly on, on LinkedIn that we see a lot of that as well. You know, a lot of you know love and try to help people. So that reach out if you're in this situation, find these people, reach out to them and and there's no shame in getting help, getting guidance. And if you're really feeling really feeling in a bad way, there's nothing wrong with seeking, you know, some professional help, you know, see if speak to a therapist, you know, kind of walk, walk it through. I mean, these are times you got to do what you got to do to keep yourself in, in, in top mental, physical, emotion, spiritual, you know, health. Um, so I hope, I hope this is helpful. You know, I love to come back for the next one. It's like, you know, more positive, upbeat, exciting one, but I think I owe it to people to share what's really going on so they could kind of level check and go, all right, I don't love what Jack had to say today, but I respect he's saying that and I get it. And these are food for thought. And this is going to, you know, this is going to help. And this is going to help me. And, and at least now I know what the game is and how the, what they're doing. And now I understand why I'm being bullied at work and I'm being pressured at work and treated shabbily work. Now I get it. It's not me. It's not me. It's this is what they're doing because they're trying to get rid of us. So if nothing else too, that helps you out when you speak to your spouse, your, your wife, partner, this and that, you know, ah, it wasn't me. It wasn't my imagination. 
you know, that I wasn't, I was just being gaslighted. It's just, this is what's happening. So I hope this is helpful. If, if anyone has some suggestions for other topics that you want me to talk about, put in the comments, um, whether good or bad, that's cool. You know, whatever, you know, let me know. And, uh, and I'll, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.